0: Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and a director of the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Terry Reel, a nationally recognized family therapist and author, particularly known for his groundbreaking work on men, his work on gender and couples. In 1997, Terry published the national bestseller, I Don't Want to Talk About It, the first book ever written on the topic of male depression. He has been in private practice for 30 years, and he's the founder of the Relational Law Life Institute, where he teaches therapist trainings and workshops for couples. Uh, welcome, Terry. It's great to have you on the show. Oh Well, thank you, Catherine. It's great to be invited on. You know, and it's so interesting for me. I mean, this is a show about divorce and dialogue on divorce. And we often speak with marriage and family and other individual therapists. And obviously, Mm -hmm. the work that you do is not focused around divorce. It's focused around relationships. But I think that the intersection between working, trying to work to keep a marriage together, and then when it can't, trying to make a sort of dignified exit or transition really makes sense. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, you're talking about two, in some ways, separate things or two phases. The second is when you're throwing in the towel for a, a whatever reason, or host of reasons, it's over, and how to do that well and with dignity. And I, I'm going to say, I'm sure you said this, not to guilt trip people, but especially if they're children, you want to not have the marital fight that you had. You know, one of the things I say about when people divorce is people are shocked when their partners behave in the divorce in the ways that they behaved in the marriage that led to the divorce. It's like suddenly they're supposed to be different people, but just because you're the same person, the fight between you and your partner is over. It's over. You guys have lost. Give up. It's over. And it's time to grieve that marriage and not resurrect that old fight. And Instead, in this new spacious place, be uh, collaborative and show up as two adults and get it done. You know what? A therapist, uh, for me, when I have a a divorcing couple and they're at each other's throats, even though they're both capable of doing better than that, what I think about is hope that one or both partners haven't really given up hope that this fight is going to get won. Yeah. And it's not. And you have to let it go and let go of your resentment and your sort of angry victimhood to whatever degree you're feeling that, and rise to the occasion and feel the pain in your heart and don't act it out.
0: That's very hard to do.
1: I've noticed. That's not easy (laughs) to do. And I have couples who come into counseling to do that, to help, keep them in their adult selves and help them negotiate the divorce. So it's doable, obviously, or you wouldn't be a collaborative divorce lawyer. But and nobody's perfect. But uh, it's where you want to go. And I counsel people once the divorce has started, you want to be ginger to non-existent on processing your relationship. You know, you don't want to be saying to your partner, "Well, what you said last Tuesday really hurt my feelings." It's over. It's done. Your your business partners be more like colleagues.
0: And how do you, Um, yeah, Terry Real? How do you help people kind of recognize that and and let go of the relationship? Because even I find my observation is that people, even when they're the one choosing to end the marriage, can it really doesn't matter whether or not they're still you know fighting, they still want, they're still involved and engaged in the old way, and they have trouble getting free of that.
1: Yeah, we have to grieve. That's what letting go means. It means you're not going to get the marriage that you thought you had or were going to have. You need to say goodbye to the early years and the lovely aspects of the marriage that pulled you into it to begin with that somehow dried up or got lost or really, you have to let go of that and grieve that. And you have to grieve the marriage that you wanted and that you deserve. The, The happy marriage that it's clear you're not going to be in because it didn't work between the two of you. And then you have to, this sounds incredibly hokey and difficult, but it really is potentially a growth experience for you. Understand what went wrong and understand your part and learn how to do it differently so that you don't either pick the same inappropriate partner next time and or be yourself, not the partner that you would wish yourself to be able to be. So learn from it. Mostly just be with what's going on right now and understand the pain of it. There's a good book called Crazy Times that I recommend. I don't remember the author, but it's a good book about what you, the sort of waves and waves of feelings that come over you when you're divorcing.
0: I was I was yeah. just going to say that I actually find that, you know, the grieving is obviously very painful. I mean, maybe that's sort of a stupid thing to say, but a lot of people don't want to do it. You know, they'll try to avoid it because it's very it's hard and it's difficult and it's easier to be angry and still sort of blaming. At the same yeah. time, I mean, it's really the learning is kind of the silver lining here because, I mean, it may seem like it's sort of tarnished silver, you know, but it really is an opportunity to review or reform yourself and your life in alignment, I think, with your core values and to take real advantage of this crisis to make changes that are really important are likely then to let you have a much happier life in, in some kind of paradoxical way.
1: No, I think that's right. And I think your reference to core values is really key because you want to show up during your divorce as best you can in alignment with your own core values. What are your core values? What do you want to be remembered by? What is essential? You know, you ask that to people and they say, when they really think about it, they say, well, I'm very loving. That's the first one. I know how to love. And I'm compassionate. And I'm well-meaning. And, you know, that is the essential you. So try and stay aligned with that. And do remember that children are watching. They're watching every move. They're reading every raised eyebrow. And let them, in an appropriate way, let them see your pain. And you don't have to hide it. You don't flood them with it or ask them to comfort you about it. It's not their job. But act like an adult with your soon-to-be ex. Okay, so that's that. But can I get to a slightly more upbeat note? Sure. The marriages that can be saved, the Hail Mary pass.
0: Yes, let's absolutely talk about that.
1: Okay, Listen. Actually, there's an article in the London Times about my work, and a woman named James Dunn just came out with a wonderful book called How to Not Hate Your Husband. And in the book, she the center of the book really is coming with her husband to do an intervention with me and having it turn the marriage around. It's very moving. That's what I do. People fly in from around the country who are on marital death door, usually with a number of therapies that haven't worked. And they spend two days with me. I call it a relationship intervention. And they spend two days, at the end of our two days, we decide you're either back on track or you're calling you, calling a lawyer or mediator. And it's one or the other within those two days. And that's the bulk of my clinical practice now on what I teach. What I found is that what I do as a therapist in these interventions, and they've been very successful after that, breaks many of the rules that I learned as a therapist. I take sides. I tell the unvarnished truth to both partners. I am educational. I say, look, this is what you're doing to blow your foot off, and this is what you need to do different. I deal with the undealt with issues. If there are any around drinking or sexuality or somebody acting out sexually or rage or passive aggression, we turn people around. I do, and the people I've trained do. Now, I'm not saying the people are fixed in two days. Everybody returns home with a uh, treatment program. You have to go to AA and you have to get a med consultant. You have to go to an anger management program. And you need some individual care, whatever. Mm-hmm. Trauma work. But I do say that I pull them off the ledge at 99 out of 100 times. And I'd like to share with your listeners some thoughts about when you're. In extremis, when it really is the last stop, the divorce is around the corner, but you'd like to, if you could, even though you're highly skeptical, you'd like to look under every rock and give it one last try. Some of the things you might think about. Great. Look, the first thing is you need help. If the two of you could have figured this out on your own, you would have by now. So you need to be in some sort of emergency couples therapy. This is an emergency. You're on marital death door. Two is you need help that helps. And, uh, I, my brethren in the field may get mad at me for this, but a lot of people don't know what they're doing in couples therapy and there's some design flaws in couples therapy. Many, many couples therapists are well-trained individual therapists that haven't had one training or course in thinking systemically or working with couples per se and the cheros as far as I'm concerned. So what I need is for the most alienated partner. Sometimes it's even it's even, but often it's asymmetrical. There's one person who's really out. I want that person to be fully empowered to speak about what it is that you want from your partner in no uncertain terms without blame, without contempt. Give it one last shot with somebody who is going to be helpful and see what they can do. Give it a few months is what I ask for. Three, three, four months, and if their kids involved, I say for the sake of the kids, give it one last try. Two things have to happen. First is that the partner that the we'll say the leading partner, the most dissatisfied partner, that's partner A. Partner B needs to shape up big time, dramatically. Partner B needs to give to partner A what partner A has been asking for, and the therapist needs to help partner B deliver. And then partner A needs to come off, I'm going to say her, because 70-plus percent of the time, it's women who carry the disappointment and the dissatisfaction and who initiate divorce, statistically. Anyway, the dissatisfied partner has to open her heart, come down off her heart, allow herself, which is no small thing, to be a little vulnerable again, and receive the progress, if it happens. So, if you're in the market, well, first of all, if you're in the market for a good therapist, I have a website and I've trained therapists in this method around the country. So that is my first choice.
0: Come to my website and see if I've got somebody in your area. Why don't you, why don't you give that URL for people? Oh, thank
1: you. It's it just my name. Just go to terryreal.com. T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L. Terry Real. That's what you think it's spelled.
0: A great name for someone who does what you do.
1: <laughs> Mr. Real. <laughs> and we have our, we have therapists trained in my methodology. But the key thing I want is I want you to go to a therapist who's active. A therapist is going to get in there and say, okay, don't do this. Try this instead. And you have to have a good feeling about them. You have to feel that they're connected. It's a good relationship that you can trust. That is so. But there are a lot of therapists who just try a kind of a empathic, nurturing, basically the kind of individual therapy that many people do. And they try and do it with couples, and it goes nowhere. You need an active therapist who's going to get in there and tell you what's what and teach you how to do it better.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. One of the things that I ask my clients when I first meet them is, have you tried marriage counseling? Because I don't think people should divorce unless they really, really need to and see really no other way. And oftentimes they say yes, and I'll say, how how was your therapist? And they'll say, oh, well, she was a cheerleader for love.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. You don't need a cheerleader. You need a doctor. Yeah. You need a coach is what you really need. And you need somebody who understands understand the depth of your pain and your reactivity. So it
0: sounds like what you do is you take these you have these sort of intensive weekends and you tell them how you see it which is why I thought your name is so appropriate for what oh. it is you're you're telling them the real truth as to what you observe and then you're giving them some real skills and strategies for how to do their homework and then you're giving them a structure post weekend intensive to actually do it.
1: All of the above you got it exactly right. I do have, let me just say, for those who don't want to do that, that might be interested in something less demanding, I have an online course for couples uh, called Staying in Love. And it's about an eight hour, nine hour course that you can play all at once or into tidbits. It's got exercises to do. And that can be very helpful to couples. I've gotten feedback that couples in extremists got off the ledge to doing that workshop. So that's also a thought.
0: So is that for people who are really on the sort of cliff of ending the marriage or for people? Uh, I think
1: that the people on the cliff of ending the marriage are on the low end of the spectrum or high end of the spectrum, whichever you want. And it's the whole gamut of people from people who are having reasonably good relationships who want to enhance them to people who are at marital death door. And this is really the last turnaround and everything in between. So it's funny for everybody.
0: Why do you think the couples don't get help earlier on? And Many of the marriage counselors I've spoken to say, you know, we would have so much better success if people came before it got to yeah. be the death's doorstep.
1: Well, I think that it, there's a stigma, to the therapy. I think that people are skeptical that it's going to be helpful. I think people are nervous about exposing themselves. I think people are nervous about what the couple's therapist is. Like the couple's therapist is some sort of judge or... You're going to the principal's office to determine who's right and who's wrong. But it's never too late. It's never too late. Put the divorce on pause. Find a really strong, good therapist who knows what they're doing and give it a few months before you pull the plug.
0: You know, Terry, Will, you said something interesting a few minutes ago about how, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but sort of bad behavior, like in the marriage where there's been an affair or something like that. Yeah, And, and, right. and sometimes people are like, that's it, that, you know, that's the end. But it doesn't have to be. And I think you're talking about that in some of this, too, that you, no matter how bad you think it is, there is always hope. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, okay, and then unfortunately I'm going to have to go. You know, the thing is that unless you didn't really love the son of a gun to begin with, Let's get married to please your parents or your, or whatever, and there was no love ever, then I think you should be done under, go let the person find somebody who really loves them and you do the same. But if you did love the person once, and particularly if they're children, with appropriate help, energy, coaching, skill building, dealing with the hurt, And the pain inside, dealing I know people, you know, kind of gulp when they hear this, but going back into that school of relationships called your family of origin and picking out what you learned there and how that worked. There's a lot of work to turn this around and you need a good therapist, but it's doable if you want to. It really is doable if you want to in most cases.
0: That's really heartening news to hear, even for someone who works with people who are divorcing almost exclusively. Thank you for being with us, Terry Real. It's oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate
1: it. Folks, do come to my website. There is a quiz that you can take to rate your relationship and see its strengths and weaknesses. Just takes a few minutes. It's pretty interesting.
0: Terryreal.com. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. So I just want to remind our listeners that you're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM and WVOX.com alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530. And we're also available as a podcast on my website, which is www.westchesterfamilylaw.com and as well as on iTunes and on SoundCloud Dialogue on Divorce. And I think that Terry Reel's perspective that you really need to or should give your marriage every last chance to be successful that you possibly can before you make the decision to divorce. But once you do make that decision to divorce and the fight is over, it's time to grieve, you do still need to make the decisions that need to be made to get from married to divorced and particularly when there are children involved involved. The choice of how you're going to make those decisions, how you're going to decide the issues that need to be resolved is perhaps the most important decision that you will make after the decision to divorce. Period. It's going to affect the result. It's going to affect your future happiness. It's going to affect the happiness of your children. And it's going to affect the success of your divorce and how well you are able to pull off the transition. So let me talk a little bit about what I mean by that in our remaining time. Basically, you have, in New York, 97% of divorces settle before a judge hands down a decision after a trial. So 97%, those are pretty good odds that you are going to be making the decisions yourself rather than waiting for a judge or someone else to make those decisions. So how are you going to do it? And how are you going to do it? Particularly when you are getting divorced, you have not been able to figure out a way to work together, to stay together. How are you going to work together to come apart? That's the question. And really, you have four choices. Of course, you could try to do it yourself. And oftentimes, when I talk about doing it yourself to my clients or potential clients, they shake their heads no. And frankly, very, very hard to do that. Sometimes people who've been married for a couple of years, you know, so-called starter marriage, no children, no assets, nothing really to divide are able to do that and to do it quite well. And for those people, I think it makes a lot of sense. But once you've been married for a period of time and there are children involved, it's very difficult. When I got divorced myself, I was a divorce lawyer, as I currently am. I hired a lawyer to help me. Really hard to navigate the issues and navigate the feelings. On the other end of the spectrum of choices is the traditional model where each person hires a lawyer and the parties and the lawyers head toward trial. Remember what I said, though, earlier, that 97% of divorces settle before a judge hands a decision after a trial. The chances are that even on the litigation tra- track, you are likely to settle on your own terms. The thing about litigation is that the negotiation that happens while trying to settle happens simultaneously with the preparation for trial with on uh, motion practice and formal information sharing, which we call discovery. And the two processes of trying to settle and trying to prepare for trial are really anathema to each other. They really conflict, and so that the feelings of the people are really inflamed by the preparation for trial, which makes it that much harder to settle. The result is still likely going to be settlement, but it's going to be settlement because someone or both people feel like they just can't take it anymore, they run out of money, they're terrified about what might happen, and they just want it to stop no matter what. In between do-it-yourself and litigation, or the traditional model, are really two options, mediation and collaborative law. And both of them are voluntary, out-of-court processes where people make decisions based on their own reference points, what's important to them rather than what's important to a judge or even to lawyers, and they look a little bit different. In mediation, typically, the couple meets with a mediator in a series of three-way meetings, and the mediator helps identify the issues that need to be resolved in this particular family, helps the couple gather information that they need in order to resolve those issues, and then facilitates a discussion about what's important to both people, what the options are, comparing the options against what's important in fashioning toward a resolution. In mediation, people should have, in my strong opinion, should have and usually do have consulting lawyers at least before they sign an agreement. When you sign a settlement agreement or a separation agreement, a stipulation of settlement, they're all the same document. When you sign that document, it is going to impact your finances and your family life, and the future relationship that you have with your kids if they're under the age of 18. And you really shouldn't have the advice of a lawyer when you sign such an important document. In collaborative law, the idea is the same, to come up with a resolution that makes sense for the people, for the family, based on their own reference points. But each person has a lawyer, but the lawyers are disqualified from litigating. So none of that preparation for trial, none of that formal information sharing. The people come to a series of four-way and sometimes a more expanded group meeting where we have interdisciplinary Uh, professionals, meaning therapists or financial professionals, if those are relevant to the situation, and they usually are, and do the same thing. Try to identify the issues that need to be resolved, what's important to both people, the options for settlement, and then compare the three things in order to work through to a resolution. So in the event that Terry Reel is unable to work with you or find a way to save your marriage or go, keep going together, make sure that you choose a process for ending your marriage and transitioning to divorce that work for you. Thank you for joining us for today on Dialogue on Divorce. I look forward to speaking with you in future episodes.